Good morning, everyone. Welcome again to Lighthouse Bible Church. Can you hear me out there? All right. Must be my ears getting old. All right, let's begin today by praying together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for who you are. We thank you, Father, for your character, your righteousness, your justice, your love. We also thank you for the grace that you have for us, giving us your Son when we are your enemies. You had mercy on us, sinners, dead in our trespasses and sins. So Jesus Christ, your Son, went to the cross for us, died for our sins. And then he was buried, and then you raised him from the dead on the third day. And we thank you, Father, for that amazing gift, amazing salvation that your Son um, got, took care of at the cross and delivered. We thank you that by simply believing in the good news of Jesus Christ, whosoever believes in him will never perish but has eternal life. Today, Father, we thank you also for gathering us together here as a family. We thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit is guiding and directing all of us here to participate and to learn. We thank you also, Father, for the institution of the Lord's Supper, which we will celebrate again at the end of service today. And Father, we look next, next up for the song service where we can express in our hearts our love for you and praise. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, as many of you know, uh, Lorraine had surgery this week on Tuesday, and I uh, wanted to let you know that she's doing pretty well. Keep her in your prayers. She's uh, probably not going to see us for a while as she's uh, recuperating and healing from that surgery. So please, again, keep her in prayer. She sends her love and uh, says hello to everybody this morning. All right. This is November. As you know, we have a different missionary organization that we are supporting and featuring this month, and appropriately, it's Grace Bible Church Pakistan. And uh, the reason that's appropriate is because every year they have a Christmas uh, fund that they use to support um, orphans and uh, children in their academy and children in the villages. And they put together packages and they rely on the support, uh, financial support of churches in the United States to, to get that done. And um, so, by the way, well, I'm pleased to let you know that they have reached their, almost all of their original goal already. So they, they're increasing it, which is what you do when you, you know... So now rather than 12, it's 17,000, and they're about halfway there. And so um, this is our opportunity to step in there and get them closer to their goal. Um, so please keep that in prayer. If you'd like to donate, remember there are two packages they put together. One for the Grace Academy. Those are their students that they have academy for. And they put a package together for them, and they're $15 each. And then it's more than 1,200. Now, I don't know the number. I think it's 2,000 is what they're going to try to hit for the village packages. That's $7 each. So um, decide what you want to do, what the Lord uh, would have you do in this area, and uh, just uh, make sure you make out the checks to, the, to GBC Pakistan. Um, and if you want to support one or the other, you can write student if you'd like to give to this, their Grace Academy student, or you can write village if you'd like to give to them. Um, so I encourage everybody. This is a wonderful thing. It's an opportunity for us to, uh, to support young people and to see the gospel preached in, in various villages, as well as the uh, Grace Academy. So please keep that in prayer. They are many hurting and helpless people in that part of the world, especially because the Christians there are persecuted in a pretty bad way. So please keep them in prayer. And if, uh, if you can, please support um, financially their efforts to put these packages together. Dead, deadline for donations to this is December 1st. Um, now that we're in November, that seems a lot closer. You know, when I was October, like, oh, December, you know. But now that we're in November, it's like really just about three, three weeks away, a little more. All right, a couple of other things to let you know about this morning. Um, next Sunday, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, we're going to have outreach service, service again. We call it service, whatever we call it, session outreach, where we bring the gospel to people ourselves. And uh, we're going to um, pick up where we left off a few months ago, and we're going to use that um, the Bible track that I think is a pretty good one. And last time we you paired up and uh, kind of talked to one another, but it was a, it was a pleasant conversation because we were encouraging each other. Well, this time it's not going to be like that. Okay, the person who is hearing the gospel message is going to be pushing back on it a little bit. So you get the opportunity to be dealing with that because. 
More often than not, that is the situation when you first bring somebody. In fact, the more offended they are, the better. You want to know why? Because the cross, the message of of the cross, when an unbeliever really understands it, is offensive to them. So don't be turned away by the fact that somebody's really, you know, upset. That's good. You know, it's the people that are indifferent. Oh, yeah, I know. You guys are great. You Christians, yeah, you're all into love. Tell me what you want. Okay, I'll see you later. You know, that's really not getting to the heart of it. So, so come on and join us. It's next Sunday, right after service. I promise. I should never promise anything. But we're going to try to keep it to 20 minutes so it's not um, adding to your, your day too much. All right. If anybody needs a Bible, please raise your hand. And we'll get you one because we are about to get into the Bible study of our service today. Okay, title of today's message comes again out of 1 Corinthians 12. And today we're going to look at the fact that the Holy Spirit has placed all of us into one body. One body. And I'd like you to turn to begin today in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For even as the body is one, this, by the way, is the human body, and yet has many members, hands and feet and eyes and ears. And all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized, placed into and permanently identified into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, We were all made to drink of one spirit, the unity. The body is one, the spirit is one. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. Now if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. He put it all together. and What a miracle it is. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members for one body. Here in chapter 12, we've already seen that Paul has introduced the subject for the next three chapters, which is spiritual gifts. Paul's already taught, we saw this um, a couple of weeks ago, that each believer receives the manifestation of the Spirit. Each believer does. That's important because uh, at the time, the people in Corinth, they thought some were really spiritual because of the gift they got. And others really weren't, they were second class. Well, that's just not true. Okay, they thought that some were gifted and others weren't at all. But that's not true. Every member, every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ in this day and age, the church age, since Christ was seated at the right hand of the Father, receives a spiritual gift. And there are varieties of them. You know, I mentioned this already. Don't just look at the list and say, well, that's the only ones. Okay, those were, remember, those are illustrations. There are many more than that. Okay. But there's one spirit, no matter how many manifestations the spirit is, is producing, is giving in a congregation, it's all unified in one spirit. It's all unified in one body, as we'll see today. That's the new thing he's introducing. And also unified into one purpose. We're all here with being gifted in order to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by taking care of one another, the common good. One source, the spirit, one purpose, the common good. And again, he gave a list of spiritual gifts that were in operation in Corinth at that time. Again, I say that because we're going to look in chapter 13. He's going to say that gifts will cease. There are some gifts that won't be on the scene. Okay? But at that time, they were all in operation. Right? A lot of sign gifts. You know, like uh, the tongues and the interpretation of tongues and healings and miracles and so forth. And again, though, the list here in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 is not comprehensive. Okay, it just served to illustrate. Remember, it illustrated that in addition to the ones that they really prized, primarily communication gifts, there were many others. And so he's illustrating the variety of ways that the Spirit manifested himself in the Corinthian congregation at that time. And last Sunday we ended in verse 11. 
right back to the source again, the one spirit. The spirit decides. Who decides what gift everybody has? The spirit. Does the pastor decide what gift everybody has? No. Do we decide what gift we have? No. The Spirit decides which spiritual gifts will be given to each believer. The reason for that is he's got the perfect blueprints. He knows the gifts that are needed, and he knows how he wants to orchestrate that, and how he wants to decide and and choose gifts for people, and there are different things he's doing. We're going to see later on in this chapter, he's also going to say, you know, sometimes those that are least presentable are given the best. Okay, so that there'll be no division in the body. Okay, no division. That's the key. That's the key to this letter, in large respect. I mean, think about it. The first four chapters were all about division and healing those. Chapter 6, when it came time to talk about um, people suing one another, that was causing division in the congregation. All right? when, when women were, they felt they were free and could leave their husbands, division in the congregation. Over and over and over again. When certain ones thought that they could eat food sacrificed to idols and it wouldn't harm anybody, forgot about the weaker believers that could be brought right back into the slavery of idolatry. Division. In chapter 11, we saw the same thing. We saw how the, in the communion service, they were dividing up according to rich and poor. And now we're going to see in, in chapters 12 through 14, they even used these manifestations of the Spirit to divide into the haves and the have-nots, told they thought. So it's all about that. It's all about one source, one spirit. Okay? And then verse 11, right back, this is where we ended last week. Okay? He says, you know, about one and the same spirit, in verse 11, works all these things, distributing to each one individually. The spiritual gift, the manifestation of the spirit that he's distributed to you is, is individual, but it's all for the common good. Okay? And that's the most important thing. The source and the purpose are what we should keep our eyes on. The Spirit distributes these gifts as He wills, as He desires, for the common good. In other words, the gift you've been given is not yours at all. It's, it's given to the congregation. If you have the gift of evangelism, that's a gift given to the congregation. If you have the, if you have the gift of giving, that's a gift given to the congregation. If you have a communication gift, like pastor-teacher, or evangelist, that's given to the congregation. They all are. They're not ours. They're, he works through us to bless and build up the congregation for the common good. And then he also, and this is what we'll see today and next week, he enables all those gifts to work together. So far, we really haven't seen that. We know that we each have been given a gift and it's for the common good. But now he's going to take the next step and say, well, this is the thing. The reason why the Spirit decides and the reason why they're a variety and they're distributed the way he wants is because they're designed to work together. You see, now, in order to get that across, he's going to introduce something. It's called a metaphor. I hate to bring you back to high school English, but he's got a metaphor here. What is a metaphor? Well, it's a figure of speech. By the way, we'll see it's more than that, but we'll start here. It says, there's, I want to make a comparison between two things. A lot of times it's subtle. A lot of times, it'll be most of the time, it will be on the thing that he's taken to compare to the real thing he wants to teach on. And he'll be saying things over here, and it's up to the people to make the connection sometimes. He's going to do that with the body. Like we've already read, the body is one, but has many members. They should look at that and say, yeah, you know what? That's the way we should be, right? So that's a metaphor. It makes a comparison. But here's the thing, it's between two things that are unrelated. In other words, the human body is a physical thing. We all have one, they're all, you know, they're all bodies, we all have heads and ears. But then he's going to use that to teach about a supernatural situation. The church is the body of Christ, which they had no idea about. You know, I mean, most of us understand something about the human body. After all, we have one. Right? We walk, we see, we hear. We know the, the different functions of our body and how they have to work together. We'll see a little more of that. But these two things that are unrelated share common characteristics. That's how a metaphor works. You know, it says they're different, but they share con- common characteristics. In other words, there's a resemblance. They're two contradictory or different things, but there are some common characteristics. I mentioned high school English because some of the best metaphors in the whole English language appear in the works of one man. Anybody want to guess? Who's a one man, back to high school now, who's probably the greatest writer in English of poetry and plays. Who? No, in English. 
Shakespeare. Right. Here's one. This is Shakespeare. Life is but a walking shadow. Now you look at that. You say to yourself, well, how? Okay, I get it. He's setting up a metaphor. He's got human life over here, and he's got a shadow, a walking shadow. Okay? Well, how do, what is the connection? Then he goes on. He says, a poor player. The one walking is a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage, and then is heard no more. See, he, says, he doesn't say a word about life directly. He says it's like a walking shadow. The Bible will say the same thing, right? Our life is but a shadow. It's like a wind. It's like something grass that is green for a time and then withers. So he's saying that using the image. Strutting and fretting his hour upon the stage. You can picture that. Somebody who comes in for an hour, he's on stage, and then you don't hear from him anymore. He's talked about a shadow and a stage, but all the time we know he's talking about human life. That's a metaphor. But here in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul will use another one. He's going to use the human body. Okay? He's a, it's a metaphor. He's saying, I'm going to te- you're going to say a lot of things about the human body, but the whole time I hope you're making the connection to something new I'm teaching you about, which is the body of Christ made up of all the members. He's revealing truth about the church, the body of Christ, by talking about something familiar to everybody. You know, his whole theme here is unity in variety, right? Many gifts but one spirit. Each one has received a manifestation for the common good. So, but now he's going to take that, what he's already given us, the variety of gifts, and now he's going to say, here's why they're all united, and here's how they work together. And that's why he's using the human body to do that. See, see, that's the thing. When you teach, you always want to go from the familiar to the unfamiliar. You always want to say, I know you don't really, can't really grasp this idea that you're the body of Christ yet, so I'm going to start with something that's really familiar, which is the human body. And I'm going to say some things about that, and I hope the light bulbs are going off. You say, oh, that's who we really are. We're supernatural. We have manifestations of the Spirit, and it's a body. That's what he's going to teach. Human body, body of Christ. And then he'll, in that, he will show how do these variety of gifts all work together as a unit. We know there's a variety, there's one source, and there's one purpose. But how do you put all these together so that they all work together as one body for that purpose? In other words, he will use this metaphor of the human body to teach the saints about how the spiritual gifts are designed to work together. And that's something new. For, so far, we've just seen these different gifts But now he's going to say, you know what? They're all working together. Or more accurately, the individuals are to be working together. Look at verse 12 again. For even as the body is one, this is the human body, the familiar, and yet has many members, eyes and ears, and livers, and ankles, and some of the things that we uh, tend to wear out (laughs) at the time. But whatever they are, they're all necessary. He says, listen, there are many members, and all the members of the body, though there are many, there are many of us here today, we're different in a lot of ways. We're all one in Christ, but we all have different gifts, manifestation of the Spirit. There are many, but they're one body. And he says, since that's true in the human body, think about what it is in Christ. You know, the human body is a marvel, isn't it, of design and function, I, I have to tell you, I, I, I don't want to get into the science of it, but I really am convinced that the human body is the death knell of evolution. There's, there's absolutely no way that this could be randomly put together. You know, one writer calls it a tornado in a junkyard, makes it a 747. You know, it can't happen. But it's a marvel. It had to be designed. It had to be given a lot of different functions that all work together. The body, of course, is made up of many different limbs, right? Arms and legs and fingers and toes and feet and hands and all of that. Different organs. A lot of different organs. The heart. The older you get, the more you learn about the different organs. The heart, the stomach, the liver, the pancreas, the intestines and lungs and all of that. Many, many, many organs. Many systems. Skin is a system. The way we breathe, the way we eat, digestive system. It's all there. Incredible. But as many as those things are, it is absolutely, write it down, they can't function alone. Right? Can a finger function alone? 
hey, I'm a finger. Woohoo! No. And none of them, a heart, even a heart can't really function alone. None of them can. All right? They have to be in the human body to function. They're just, they're all together, and they have to be all together because alone, they can't do a thing. Even though it's miraculous what they do do. I mean, the hand, if you think about the miracle of the human hand, it's unbelievable what it can do. All right. So, but here's interesting. At the, at the end of that verse, Paul, after he's introduced this metaphor of the human body, and by the way, this metaphor of the human body was actually used frequently at that time. You know, the, 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 the rhetoric uh, that was used in the, um, the legal system, they would always bring up the body. But they brought it up in terms of the smooth function of society. And what they were always doing was they were directing it at the lower class people. You know, the, the, the servants, the slaves, the lower classes. And saying to them, look, you're the lower class. You need to know your place and stay there. Because you see, from time to time, there would be attempted revolts and rebellions. And they would use the metaphor of the body to say, you know what? Basically, they would say, you know, if, you, if, the, body, if the body members are all complaining that the stomach gets all the food, okay, let's starve the stomach and see what happens. Right? The whole body doesn't get food. But their point was that you need to be subservient. See, Paul's going to turn that around. He's going to turn it around 180 degrees and say, you know what? It's those who think they're higher that have to stop that and value everybody else. So he kind of flips this around in terms of what they were expected. But there's one other thing that he says at the end of verse 12. Though they are many, they are one body. So also is. The Corinthians would have expected Paul to say, so also is the church. That would have made sense to them. So also is the assembly. That would have made sense to them. Because why? Because they were used to saying, well, it's a group of people, all right, that are all together. But no, he didn't say that, did he? He wrote what? So also is Christ. You see, now, maybe we've read, the, read this passage a lot. It doesn't, doesn't stand out like it should anymore. But that, it would have been, whoa, what did you just say? You're talking about a body, and then you're saying Christ is that? Okay. In other words, the members of the church, we're not simply a social organization that gets together. Okay? We're not. We are members of Christ. Each of us is in Christ. That's primary. That's the primary thing. The moment we are born again, we are placed into Christ, permanently there, permanently identified with Christ. That's what matters. What matters is the church is the body of Christ. And and you can guarantee that when they saw that, it was just like the same thing when he talked to them about the Lord's Supper, and he said, you don't understand. You know, you're here, and you're bringing into remembrance the death of the Lord. You're here, and you've got to discern the body correctly. Don't just look at it as a bunch of people that with their rivalries and they're better and they're worse. No, you have to understand that's the body of Christ. Changes everything, or ought to. Well, today he tells us how we got there. How did each individual believer find himself in the body of Christ? And the answer is by the Holy Spirit. Whoops. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Here's how. Notice the one in the, in the all. Again and again, this is his theme. Yeah, you've all got different gifts, but you're in one body. You have one source, the Spirit. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. You know, there are some, there are some that teach that only a few get this special post-salvation gift called the baptism in the Spirit. And it's the same thing today. They say, well, the, the ones who get the baptism of the Spirit, they're the ones who can speak in tongues, and they're, they're better Christians than the ones who didn't. That's just not true. Verse 13 t- proves that. For by one Spirit we were, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, placed into and permanently identified with Christ. When the Jews or Greeks, rich or poor, slaves or free, Red Sox fans or Yankees fans, We were all made to drink of one spirit. All made to drink of one spirit. In other words, the same spirit who we've already seen provides a spiritual gift to each believer, also places each believer in the body of Christ. So again, it's not a it's not a a disembodied gift. It's not we don't all go our own way. We don't all just focus on our gift to the exclusion of others. You see, the same spirit 
who provides a spiritual gift to each believer, also places that believer in the body of Christ where they, are, where they will really live and where their gift will really function. And so he's completing the picture, isn't he? He's saying, there's a variety of gifts, there's a unity. I'm going to tell you something, you are one body in Christ. And by the way, the unity of the body is what really matters. It takes precedence over the function of any individual gift. Just like the human body as a whole takes precedence over the function of any organ, or any limb, or any system. It's the one body, the unity that counts. In the same way that body parts are useless unless they're in the human body, so too the gifts are useless. What are they? Useless. Because a lot of people don't understand this. The gifts are useless unless they function, but not only function, function together. Function together in the one body of Christ. That's what they're designed for. They're gifts, but they all interlock. They're all woven together in love. And the spirit gifts that we get are useless, but unless they function together in the one body of Christ. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 to see Paul really express the fullness of the unity, the unity that we have. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. Notice the one, the word one. Okay, Ephesians 4.4. 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope. We all have one hope. We do. Our hope is that the body of Christ one day will be resurrected and together with Jesus Christ forever. We have one hope. We have one Lord. We have one faith. At the end, you know, if if the churches, if all the different churches, Christian organizations, all just stuck to the one book, can you imagine the unity that we would have? Because after, after all, if we're all studying from the same book and we're all learning what this book has to say, You know, all of our minds are being renewed with the right things. And that's what makes unity. Not just a bunch of people filling in the same space together. He says, no, there's one Lord, there's one faith, and there is one baptism. How many baptisms do we have for the church? (laughs) Well, see, she's a realist. She said there's four. She's a realist. Because actually, when you look at the church, there are probably at least four. You know, some have the baptism of the Spirit. They understand that one. Some think it's water baptism that's necessary for salvation. Others think that it's, it's necessary, but it's not for salvation. Others think you have to dip people in water. Others say you have to sprinkle them on the head. That's five. So, that, so that's the thing, okay? How many are there really? God's, how, how does God look at it? How many baptisms? One. One. And it's unique to the church. You see, the water baptism was John the baptized, baptizer did that. Okay? There was no church. And so the water baptism was illustrating in the time. And it was a way in which the Jews were supposed to prepare for their Messiah. Okay, so you have water baptism. But Jesus would say over and over again, and even John, you know, here, I'm baptizing in water, but there's one coming who will baptize in the Spirit. And Jesus said the same thing right before he went up to heaven. He said the same thing. He talked about this, the baptism by the Spirit. That's the one. One God and Father. And then now we get the variety, right? Of all. One God and Father of all. All of us. Who is over all of us and is and through all. Okay? Through us, manifestation of the Spirit, and in all. But go back to 1 Corinthians 12, 13. I want to make sure you, this is clear about the baptism. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, 
We weren't baptized into water. Right? Does it say that? We were all baptized into water. No. We were all baptized into one body. You see, that's such a supernatural thing. You know, water can't do that. Okay? Water can't take us and place us in Christ. Can it? No. But who can? The Holy Spirit, you see. That's the baptism that matters for the church. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. See, the one baptism we saw in Ephesians 4 for the church is the baptism by the Spirit into Christ. Okay? He places the word baptism, places us into, identifies with, by the Spirit, into Christ. We were all placed into Christ, the one body. We were all permanently identified there with Christ by the one Holy Spirit. Please turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, because this isn't the only place where we see this baptism. Look at Galatians 3, 27. Galatians 3, 27. For all of you, all of you, who were baptized into Christ. There it is again. The baptism by the Spirit into Christ. You see, there's a baptism that places us in the body, in Christ. And the Spirit does that. You were all baptized into Christ and you've clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's where there's no male and female, by the way. I mean, in in the way practical, we're still on earth and we have to have different roles and functions. But we're in the body, there's no male or female. The baptism by the Spirit is not a second blessing. A lot of people teach this. It's not a special second blessing that a few get. After, after a few, sometimes they say you have to tarry. You have to, that's a word, I don't even know what it means really, but I think it means that you just have to sit there and wait and then the Spirit will come upon you in a great way. And then you'll speak in tongues. And then you'll have all these insights and you'll be healing people and all of that. It's a bunch of nonsense. It isn't a second blessing. It's the greatest blessing of all. And we all get it. We're in Christ. If you look at that phrase, in Christ, and you go through the New Testament, you'll find amazing things anytime you see it. Right? We have, we're, we're given all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, for example. That's the baptism by the Spirit. And it also says here in verse 13, we were, bless you, we were all, doesn't it say all? Once again at the end, we were all made to drink of one spirit, all of us. This describes the indwelling of the spirit, indwelling. All of us, at the moment we believe in Christ, have received inside of us, in our hearts actually, the Bible teaches, the Holy Spirit. By the way, the Holy Spirit is often described using the metaphor, the metaphor of water in the New Testament. Please turn to John chapter 7, verse 37. It's a wonderful scripture. I mean, they all are. But some of them are more edifying than others. You know, and a number, a number sleep and a number are sick, you know. It teaches a great point. But there's others that really, you know, anyway. John 7.37 This is Jesus at the last day of the feast. John 7.37 Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and He cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being, the heart, will flow. Notice how it's expressed. Rivers of living water. What a picture. From our heart flows rivers of living water. And he says, what is that? By this he spoke of the Spirit. What he said was, Everybody will have in their innermost being, who who believes in Christ, rivers of living water. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. 
And he says, those who believed in him were to receive that, for the Spirit was not yet given. Given. Now, it's interesting. The Spirit has done things throughout the whole Old Testament and in the life of Jesus so far, but he's not talking about that. He's saying given to each and every believer. When does it happen? It was not given because Jesus was not yet glorified. That means raised, ascended, and seated at the right hand of the Father. When that happens, then the Spirit comes and indwells each and every believer in Jesus Christ. Amazing. And what a powerful illustration, the rivers of living water. That just shows you the the blessing, the the uniqueness, the, the gift that we've been given. You know, and those, those rivers of living water, I don't know about you, but I can't drink one river, never mind multiple rivers. So why does he say rivers of living water? Because there are others that need that living water. And that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and then the indwelling in their bodies as well. What a powerful illustration. Please turn to, back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen. The Spirit dwells in the heart of each believer in Christ during the church age. 1 Corinthians 12, 14. For the body is not one member, but many. There it is again. Now we get into an interesting part of this. I want you to see You probably read it before. If the foot says, I was looking at my foot this morning, and I was looking, where's the mouth? You know, the foot says, okay. Because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. He's complaining. Yeah, I'm not really a part of the body. I'm not a hand. I'm just a foot. But it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, the ear is supposed to hear, not to speak, but in any event, if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. Now, he's been talking about the baptism of the spirit, the indwelling of spirit, but now what does he do? Back to the human body. He's got something else where he wants to say something familiar to so he can understand something unfamiliar or something they haven't gotten yet. That's what he'll do. He'll move back and forth here. Mostly talking about the human body, but also talking about the body of Christ. And again, he allows the audience to draw their own conclusions. But the, the points are obvious. We'll see that. Now again, I want you to think about all the wonderful things that the human body is capable of doing. Just take a second and think about that. Things we take for granted. Things that our bodies do every day. Things that special gifts are given, physical now, for people to do things that I could never do. Okay? Um, I can't even, you know, I can't even jump up and down anymore without feeling a little. But then you have these gymnasts. <laughs> so the body can run. It can run. We take it for granted. It can jump. It can sing. It can paint. It can give birth. Gymnastics. I mentioned gymnastics because some of you may know who this is. Simone Biles. I don't know, but I don't know about you, but I watch her. The things that she does with her body are incredible. It's a human body. Look what it's capable of doing. Now, I want you to think about all the different members of that living organism, the body, and how they all need to be there. Think about a gymnast. You know, I mean, what would a gymnast do without a hand? Right? Or definitely not without a foot. How about eyes? If they didn't have eyes, how would they spot whether they're inbounds or out? They need that. They need all the parts of the body in order to do what they do. They all have to be there, but not only be there, they have to work together. The eye has to tell the muscles of the leg when to move and how and where and so forth. They all work together, and then the body can do amazing things. And again, make the application. When, when all the members of the church are working together living in their gifts, so too the body of Christ can do amazing things. On the other hand, think of it this way. You know, what if just one muscle is failing? Just one muscle in Simone's body. What would that do? She couldn't do it. He needs all the muscles to work together. By the way, so do we, you know. If we, if we if, you know, they say it's true that if you, just, if you just have a pain in one little part of your body, it affects your whole body. He's going to say that later. If one member suffers, they all suffer. And isn't that true? One valve, one vein, one bone. If it shuts down, the whole body can shut down. That's the importance of every member. 
We don't appreciate it, but every member is there. I never really understood the pancreas, but now I find out what it does. And it's amazing. I couldn't do without that, right? If we didn't have insulin in our body, how long we live? Not very long. All right, so that's what he's using. I hope you see that now a little, little more fully. So in these verses that we're going to look at now from 14 to 19, Paul is really addressing the saints who felt their gift was inferior. Inferior. I don't speak in tongues. I don't prophesy. I don't heal. I don't do miracles. My gift is, is, is inferior to the others. And he's going to talk about why that just can't be the way you think. You can't think that way. Although it's reasonable to infer here that those privileged few, the speakers in tongues and the prophets and so forth, the ones who had the most desirable, attractive, you know, coveted gifts, were, were lording it over the rest. I mean, why wouldn't they? We've seen them already lord it over one another, boast about themselves. You know that was happening here. How special and how spiritual they were. And how common and unspiritual all these others were. And in that environment, put yourself there. Imagine if every time I got up to preach, I told you, you know what? I'm really gifted. You're not. How would you feel? Would you be, yeah, right. Boo is right. Yeah, that's how they felt. That's how they felt. Okay? And, and so they could easily get discouraged. As a matter of fact, at some point, they probably wondered if they even belonged in the same assembly as the gifted ones, quote. But Paul straightens out that thinking, right? He tells those with the less coveted gifts, coveted now, not less important, less, less desired, that they are every bit as important to the proper functioning of the body as anyone else. No matter what gift you have, it's just as important to the proper functioning of the body of Christ as anybody else. Pastor, evangelist, singer, giver, or somebody who just helps. <laughs> Every bit is important. Now, what he's doing is, to get this point across, we've already seen that, he's personifying body parts. He's, he's making them like they're people, right? We already saw that. You know, the foot says, I'm not a he's saying, speaking, right? He talks about eyes and ears speaking as if they were people. Now, we know that's silly. But on the other hand, the saints were acting like fools, and so he gets a little silly in order for them to say, wait a minute, yeah, I get it now. He's kind of he's like talking to us. Verse 15, if the foot says, because I am not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. Now, I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine your foot. You woke up this morning, and your foot sticks out of the covers, and he says, I'm out of here. I'm declaring my independence from the rest of the body. After all, I'm not a hand. How could you have made me this way? I don't want to be a hand. I don't want to be a foot. I want to be a hand. If I can't be a a hand, I'm gone. Hmm. Now, of course, on one level, it's understandable. I mean, look, a hand can do amazing things. It can play the piano, perform surgery. But, of course, as we know, it needs other members of the body to do any of that. But on the other hand, let's consider poor Mr. Foot. Poor Mr. Foot. He's at the very bottom of the body, right? All the way down. He spends all his days in the dust of the ground. You know, you think about it, like I, I walk outside sometimes and it just rained and there's a little mud. Guess what gets hit? Not my eye, hopefully, right? My feet. My feet have to be in the dust of the ground all the time, except when you're indoors, then it's on the cold tile. But, and then also, and probably most importantly, the, the feet bear the weight of the entire body. Think of that. So the foot might be complaining about that. Why do I have to bear all that weight? Why do I have to be in the dust of the earth? Not very glorious. However, what a servant Right? Aren't we to bear one another's burdens? Isn't that acting like Christ? See, he's turning things on its head. He says, when you start to think about who you are in Christ, then none of these things will seem unimportant. It doesn't matter. Without our two feet, by the way, we can't walk or run or dance or stand. Pretty important. The foot is necessary. God designed the entire human body and he gave the foot a special function. 
Look at verse 16. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I am not a part of the body. I'm going to shut down. Because I wanted to be an eye, and you didn't make me an eye, so I'm shutting down. No more ear. After all, if you think about it, though, (laughs) um, the ear is not as beautiful as the eye. Isn't that true? Maybe some people may like ears. I don't know. But if you look at them, they're kind of funny looking. See? Mine is. It's kind of funny looking. It's got this droopy thing over here. I don't know why that's there. But. After all, do the ear, the ear, have you ever lately complimented somebody on their ears? How beautiful your ears are. Not earrings. Ears. Yeah. How many poems have been written about the ear? Not too many. The eyes have it all, right? How often does a lover say, when I look into your ears? <laughs> right? When I look into your eyes. But the ears can hear. And over and over again, they hear how pretty the eyes are. And nobody pays attention to them. Nobody ever says, you have such beautiful ears. No. But you know what? Let's make the application. People hardly ever say to an usher, what a great job you did today, passing out the communion elements. Well, maybe we should. Because it's just as necessary. We wouldn't have the bread and the cup if we didn't have ushers, right? Pretty important. What kind of a Lord's Supper would it be if you weren't partaking of the bread and the cup? It would not be too good. Now, we are, and let's be real, we're more likely to praise the message taught or a song sung. And that's natural. However, here's the point. Without so many of you, all of you, operating in the gift that the Spirit has given you, I would just be up here looking like a disembodied mouth with a five o'clock shadow. All right? That's what I would be without you. All right? Of course, I do put my foot in my mouth quite often, but that's another story. But really, you know what? As far as this, this is concerned, we have people that do all the things necessary. We have the technology people so you can hear me and see the slides. We have the people that take care of the building so it's clean and neat and functioning. There's air conditioning units that break down, but you'll never know about it because there's somebody here who steps in and fixes it. There's somebody, they're great givers that make sure we have enough financial to pay the mortgage and all the other things. Without that, we would, we would be dead in the water. I would, I, would be, I would be standing on a street corner, right, preaching, and there'd be no support. I wouldn't even have a glass of water when I, you know, I need you. We all need each other. That's the point. But, you know, talking about the building, do you know that I can't even turn off the security alarm properly? That's a fact. And I could go on and on, but you get the point. Another thing about the foot and the hand and the ear and the eye that's really interesting, though, I want you to notice something. The foot does not say, I am not an eye. Isn't that interesting? I wonder why. Because you know why? He could never be an eye. He knows it. Right? Mr. Foot says, there's no way I could be an eye. You know? I can't see. I'm at the bottom and the eye's at the top. It's a, it's a totally different level than I am. However, the foot talks about the fact that he's not a hand, but he imagines he could possibly function as a hand. He could. He thinks he could. Right? After all, five toes, five fingers, right? It's doable. He kind of looks a little bit like, you know, both attached to something else. Uh, the wrist and the ankle are kind of similar. He thinks, you know what, I could pull it off. I could be a hand. So he says, hey, just, just try me out. Attach me to the, to the arm rather than the leg. Give me a chance. But what would that do to the body? <laughs> Can you imagine? It wouldn't do the body any good. It would lose a foot, first off, and it would have a, hand, a foot that thinks it's a hand. I want you to picture that. Imagine, you know, imagine the body even trying to open up a door handle with a foot rather than a hand. You can't. Imagine playing the piano with one hand and one foot. All right? Now, probably Liberace did that, or maybe Elton John, so I probably, on extending it too much, people try to use their feet as a hand, but it just doesn't work. The point is, is that we often look at the fellow with the gift that is just a little better than ours. And we wish we had that. That's what we usually do. 
You know, for example, somebody could say, you know what, I teach Sunday school. As a matter of fact, I'm really good at it. I'm a good teacher. In fact, to be honest, I think there's a lot of weeks, Sundays, where I teach a better lesson than the pastor does. Mm-hmm. I could do that job, right? That's the, it's the one that's similar to yours, just like the foot and the hand. All right, verse 17. If the whole body, here he goes to an extreme, right? If the whole body were an eye, picture that. Where would the herring be? If the whole were herring, where would the sense of smell be? But thank God, God has placed the members, each of them, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? See, a lot of people act like the Lone Ranger. They think it's all about one. It's all about me. I'm going to grow up and be a hero, and I don't really need anybody else. I can just read a book or hear a tape, and I will, I will be fantastic. I don't need the rest. But that's not what Paul says. He says, you know what? You're all a part of one body. If it was just you, if it was just one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. <clears throat> Oops. I want you to see this for us. This is a guy, this is an eye jumping off the page where we are right now. <laughs> he's got feet, he's got hands, he's got a smile. What does he not have? Ears. I can't hear you. That's what an eye would be if it wasn't for the ears, right? Imagine that. Imagine an eye trying to hear. Ridiculous, isn't it? Isn't it ridiculous? But we don't see it so ridiculous when we, when we want to have somebody else's gift. We don't see it the same way. But it's exactly the same. Okay? An eye can't be an ear. If you've been given the, the gift of mercy, you can't be, you can be merciful, but you can't be a pastor. Why? Because you'd be in the wrong place. Maybe, yeah, maybe you think you're good. Maybe you have a great speaking voice. But that is not where the Holy Spirit has placed you. And the body will be out of order if you're placed anywhere else than where you are. But again, again, imagine putting something to your ear in order to smell it. Right? Oh, look at that. That, that looks like it's got garlic in it. Let me see. Nope, doesn't work. See, we've got to stop that. Why? Because the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is that you and I are each a member of the body of Christ. Isn't that, isn't that the most important thing? And once we see that, isn't it sort of more or less trivial which, which place we're put? We're in the body. We should celebrate that. We've been baptized by the Spirit into the one body of Christ. It's a supernatural organism. No matter where we are, That's where all the glory is. This living supernatural organism called the body of Christ. God decided he wanted you to be a foot or a hand or an eye or an ear. Why? Here's why. Because his desire is to see you fully alive, thriving. And it'll only happen in the place he's placed you. You'll be miserable. If you have the gift of giving and you don't give, and instead you become what you think is an evangelist, you'll be miserable because God hasn't placed you there. Okay? The only way to fully participate in the life of the body is to be in the place with the gift, using the gift that God has given you. To do otherwise is to be like a hand trying to live on its own. At first, it's got the electrical impulses. It can tap for a while. Then the fingers move more slowly more slowly, like a toy with a dying battery, till it finally stops. That's us, detached from the body of Christ. It is being on the team that matters. And then not only are you on the team, but you're in the position where you can contribute most to the success of the greatest team ever assembled. Like in football, you know, that guy that's six feet, six inches, he's 350 pounds, he's a world-class right guard on the football team. However, he would make a lousy wide receiver, right? Boom, boom, boom. Throw it to me. And there's like two guys in front of him. On the other hand, imagine a football team where the defensive backs played on the offensive line. Wouldn't work too well. 
or when the wide receivers were the defensive ends, or the kickers were the linebackers. I mean, can you imagine like a kicker for the Miami Dolphins trying to throw a pass, and like he's a quarterback, and then on the same play trying to tackle the safety? Oh, wait, that's Gary Uprimian. I forgot. Yes, he actually tried to do that. It didn't work out too well. The Redskins scored their only touchdown of the game, but the Dolphins still won. That's all that matters. Teamwork. You see, the point is everyone cannot be a preacher. Everyone cannot be an evangelist. If we were all evangelists, think of it, where would the giving come from? If we were all evangelists or pastors, where would the helps be? Well, the prayers. I'm convinced that prayer is a gift. It's that, you know, we all do it, but I believe that there's a gift involved. Prayer. We can't do it alone. Nobody can. It's designed that way. God did it on purpose. Why? So that we would all have the same care for one another. That there wouldn't be any division. There wouldn't be any boasting. That's why he did it. And he knew that it took the body to glorify fully. You know, we are the body of Christ. We are the fullness of Christ in this world. But we're not on our own. He's not saying, hey, there's John. He's a fullness over here. And hey, there's Bill. He's another fullness. There's all these fullnesses running around on their own. No, there's one fullness and it's in the body. Period. Now, for the Corinthians, rather than talking about evangelists, see, at that time, what he really meant was this. If the whole assembly spoke in tongues, where would the sanity be? You, you, know, you know, the tongues... And the whole place... I mean, I've been to these uh, services a number of years ago now. The whole place, everyone's doing their own thing. I mean, you know, it sounds like an orchestra where nobody has the music. That's not going to work cacophony of sound, but no meaningful message to build the body up. It would be like a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. By the way, that's Shakespeare. All right, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for giving us a really vivid metaphor of who we are in Christ, the body working together. Every body part is important. Every one of us here The gift that we have is important, vital to the proper functioning of the body of Christ. We thank you for revealing this to us today. We thank you, Father, that we also now know that we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts to be reminding us of these things and to be influencing us to move in the direction of our gift and how it is to function. And we know, Father, thank you that he keeps pouring the love of God in us because it's really all about that. If If we understand the purpose, common good, and the love we ought to have, if we have those two things, Father, we know that operating in the gift will take care of itself. So, Father, as we prepare for the Lord's Supper today, we would just ask, too, that we would continue to think about the importance of the body of Christ as we, as we share the body, the bread, rather, and the cup today. We ask this in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At this time, I would invite the ushers forward to pass out the communion elements. Well, we just saw the body of Christ in action. You know, I have the privilege every Lord's Supper Sunday of watching the ushers as they get ready and they make sure that two have the bread and two have the cup. They work out who's going to be on the left and who's going to be on the right. They work together. They even walk back in procession together. All for us. See, that's the body of Christ at work. Today we saw that we are all members of the one body of Christ, that each of us is gifted. We are all placed in our proper location in the body, and each of us is vital to the proper functioning of the body. The body is a central element, the body of Christ, in the book of Ephesians, especially in chapters 10 through 14. The Lord's Supper, which is in chapter 11 taught, is also about the body of Christ in two ways. We remember his death on the cross when his physical body bore our sins on the cross. But now we're also taught now we are the church as his body. Both of those things. So today, let's discern our place in the body, the one body of Christ. And let's see how all of us are members one of the other, especially today. And let us understand the importance of our calling to preserve the unity of the Holy Spirit. That there is one body one spirit, one hope, 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We participate in the Lord's Supper as one body. We're all together and it's a sharing together. We share in the blood of Christ who shed His blood for us. We share in the body of Christ who was wounded for our transgression. By His wounds we were healed. All of us like sheep had gone astray, but the Lord, the one Lord, caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. It's the one bread, the one loaf, because we are one body. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But all believers in Christ have been justified as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. If I receive from the Lord, Paul writes, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. May it be soon. All right, let's close in prayer. Hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your gifts. Thank you for the gift of Christ. Thank you for the gift of one another. Thank you for the hope, the rapture, and the one body, and the one baptism, and the one Lord, and one faith, one calling. We thank you, Father, that we've been able to participate together in the Lord's Supper today. We did it all together as one body. We brought into remembrance the death of your Son. We know that in this act we proclaim his death. We also know that we are living organism that proclaims his death and resurrection. And we thank you for all of that. We thank you that you empower us and enable us to do all these things. And we uh, just want to praise you. No human being could ever have possibly imagined the grandness and greatness of your plan. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll have a Bible study on Thursdays, November 7th, 7 o'clock. We, uh, we do um, enable you to give, but it's got to be by the right motivation. It's got to be freely done. God gives freely, no strings attached. We want you to be free in your giving, which is why we don't lock you down into pledges or tithing. Okay? Nevertheless, it is a gift that we've been given to give. When we, have, when we have it. If you don't have it, then don't worry. But the Lord has said that we will be gifted from time to time and have more than enough financially. And it's there if we are motivated and we see it, we discern the body rightly for us to joyfully pr- provide. So again, um, we, can, we can do that. There's a box in the back. You can, we have uh, envelopes that have our address on it. Or you can do that on our website, www.lbible.org. All right, please once again give us your prayer requests. We gather together on Thursday evenings at the end. We have a prayer session where we pray for the things that you ask us to pray for, the people and so forth. We'll be praying for Lorraine this Thursday and many other things. Uh, it's, just, um, it's just amazing, not, not in a good way, but how, how many needs there are in the body and, um, and how the, we can't meet all of them individually, but as a group we can. And the most powerful thing we can do is pray together for those people. So let's do that. Give us the prayers. We, we wouldn't know some of these things if you didn't let us know what's on your heart and who's on your heart to pray for. Again, today I do invite any of you to come forward and uh, speak with me about any questions you have. Um, don't be shy. Don't bite. I know I showed myself as a disembodied mouth, but really, I, I, I don't bite. I'll be good. All right, one more prayer to close us off today, and we're dismissed. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for all your gifts. We want to thank you so much for your word, which is li- living and active. We thank you, Father, that we are all growing together by, the, by the, your word, and, and that it is changing our hearts, and that we are being renewed in our minds. And we just thank you, Father, and please help us to be, continue to be motivated to participate in that 
so that every one of us is built up together in the body, and the body as a whole stands as a welcoming organism for others who would like to participate in the living waters of salvation and your word. We thank you again in Jesus Christ's name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, you're dismissed. Enjoy the day today. It's getting a little cooler out there, so there is hope. wrestling and in my doubts in my failures you won't walk out your great love will lead me through you are the peace in my troubled sea whoa you are the peace in my troubled